So in the scripture we read just a few minutes ago, there toward the end, the last verse says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Larry, I thought uh, how fitting that might be for this morning's testimony. Many of you know our East LJ Police Chief Larry Callahan and his wife Angie. It's a pleasure to have y'all with us today. And again, just thank you for being here. I've had the, the honor to get to know Larry in the last few years. Just appreciate his help to us here as a church in terms of some things security-wise. He is, of course, known to most as the East LJ Police Chief. He's known to some of us as a turkey slayer. Yes, a fellow turkey hunter. I talk a lot about turkey hunting, Larry. We've not hunted yet together, but I'm hoping that sometime in the next few months when turkey season rolls around, we might get a chance to do that. Um, Perhaps most infamously in our uh, congregation, he's known as the brother of our own Amy Bradshaw. Is that a claim to fame, Larry? Exactly. How does that go? It is. Okay. All right. That's, boy, that's a good brother right there, Amy. Yeah. He had, I, mean, I gave him the floor. And he, man, all right. So this is the caliber of gentleman that's coming to speak to you this morning, Brother Larry Callahan. And at this Thanksgiving season, uh, Larry and I have been talking. Larry has shared with me just what God's done in his life and how he's uh, preserved his life. And so, Larry, come and share with us what the Lord's laid on your heart this morning. Start with, I just want to say good morning. Uh, you know, I want to say thank you to begin with. Today's a very special day, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, I got hurt, got involved in this incident about four years ago, a little over four years ago. And almost immediately, uh, I started giving my testimony and started making this presentation, and it kind of kept growing and evolving. And when I first did it at, a, at our home church, I had no idea what it was going to blossom into. I've just been extremely blessed. I've been able to travel to churches and civic groups. Uh, I don't even know how many times I've done it now. But, you know, here in Gilmer County and in Fannin, and here a while back, I went over on the other side of Dalton. I'm not even sure what county or state we were actually in by the time we got there. Uh, but just for, just been very fortunate. But with all those places that I've been, there's only been one place that God put a real conviction a real burden on me to speak. And it was immediately after I did it the very first time, I said, I need to go to East Elegy. And it has been on my mind ever since. So you're seeing today the culmination of essentially four years of prayer, four years of, of, of hoping that God would open the door, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here. Uh, I've actually driven into this parking lot in my patrol car and prayed that the chance would come for me to be here. So... You know, if nothing else, I'm going to get a blessing out of this because I'm going to be obedient to God today. And so I'm very thankful, and I thank you all for that. I would ask for your prayers. Uh, I've never, in all the times that I've done this, have I ever struggled getting ready until this week. And, uh, you know, I figure if it's if there's enough of a blessing involved for the devil to stick his nose in and make this hard for me, that, then I hope it's something we're going to look forward to. So I'd ask for your prayers, and I'd like to start right now by praying. If I'd ask you to bow your head. Lord, I thank you for the day. You know what this means to me, and you know how long I've wanted to come here, Lord. And I just ask that uh, you allow, Lord, me to move to the background and, and the good works that you've done, Lord, and the mighty works to move to the front. I'd ask, Lord, that I'd be able to uh, speak in a way that, that people can understand me and that they get the blessing from this, Lord, that I, that I feel like is there. And I just ask all these things in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Start with, I want to tell you what I'm not. 
Uh, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a good public speaker. Uh, I actually had a fellow characterize my public speaking one time as a fast dog chasing a squirrel inside a broom closet. Uh, you know, I go in every different direction, and sometimes I get so turned around that I run into myself. So keep that in mind. Uh, I've never had a, a real mastery of the English language. Uh, it's possible that I will throw some words out that don't exist, or they will be so mangled that uh, they really won't make any sense. So what I would ask is that you just uh, try to get the substance of this, not, not what I say or how I say it, but just get a, a grasp on some of the, the miracles at God's work. Um, I'm going to apologize ahead of time for getting choked up. I've never done this a single time when I didn't, and I see no reason to think that today's going to be any different. Uh, so I, I'll go ahead and put that out there to start with. I've told you what I'm not. I want to tell you now what I am. Uh, I'm a Christian with a story of a mighty, mighty work that God did in my life. And I want to tell you right up front, if you're a Christian, you have a story that has ever been as good as mine. Let me tell you something. If you've been saved, that means the God that created this entire world, this entire universe, knew you personally and took the time to come into your heart and guarantee you a place in heaven. And I'm going to tell you, if that's not a story to tell, there's not one. Okay, that's far more important than me being on the trunk of a car getting shot, you know. I mean, if we went out here and we met the governor or the president or some movie star, we'd tell everybody in the world, well, I got news for you. We've met somebody far more important if you're a Christian. We're all going to be a witness. I served as Sunday school superintendent for a while, and my pet message, if you will, and I'm sure they got tired of hearing it, was uh, we're all going to be a witness. You don't have the option. If you're a Christian, you're going to be a witness. The only option you have is whether you're a good one or a bad one. There's no choice. The world right now, more than any time, I believe, in our lifetimes, is looking for a reason to turn away from church. They're looking for a reason to put God in the back, to turn away. And the easiest reason is if we can find somebody who professes themselves to be a Christian and see them doing something that's very unchristian-like. That's the easiest way as human beings point the finger at somebody else and say, well, if they're doing that, you know, I'm better than they are. They can't be that much to that church thing. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, and, and all the things I tell you today, they apply to me more so than anybody here. I'm, I'm confident of that. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to goof up. Uh, what we've got to remember, though, is that we have an obligation to do our best to do our best. Uh, you know, I used to... Uh, Hunt up in Kentucky, me and Emil Sant, a lot of y'all know Emil, you know, and one morning up there he, uh, he prayed before we ate breakfast and he said, he thanked God for the day. He said, because it's a special day. He said, nobody's ever had this one before. And I have the opportunity to do something good in it. And if you're a Christian, that's how we ought to look at every day. You know, we got the chance that day to do better. If God lets us wake up this morning and he's seen that we were worthy enough to give us another shot to have a better day and to glorify him. So I'm thankful for that. I want to tell you real quick why I wear this uniform when I do this. Uh, I'm a firm believer that you cannot be a Christian on Sunday and take off your church hat when you go home and do what you want to through the week. If we expect God to bless us through the week and to look after us and look after our families, we have to be what we are on Sunday, on Monday through Friday. Uh, those of you who know me know that I am not smart enough to be the police chief of two cities. 
You know, I've been so fortunate. I've been doing this 28 years. Been able to be chief at LJ, chief here at East LJ. Those of you who know me know it would take a blessing from God for me to be able to do that. And I'm very thankful for that, and that's why I refuse to separate the two. I'm a law enforcement officer, and I'm a Christian, and I will not separate the two. Uh, you know, I've had, had a complaint filed one time because I did something church-related in my uniform. That's just too bad. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I think as Christians, we all need to draw a line that this is where we're going to be pushed, and we're going to be pushed any farther. And, and with me, it's this. You got what you got. I'm not going to mistreat you if you're not a Christian. If anything, I'm probably going to treat you better. You know, but, but you got what you got, good or bad. What I want to do is tell you what happened to me. Uh, then I'm going to tell you a few of the lessons that I learned from it. You know, on August the 1st of 2013, it started off like any other day. And that's one of the things I want you to learn. Very few tragedies in our life do we get a warning flag. Very few times do people get up in the morning and get a news flash on their phone that says you're going to be involved in a wreck today. So-and-so is going to have a heart attack today. We don't get the warning flags. I got up that morning, my wife and I do what we do every morning. We drink a cup of coffee, watch the news. Those of you who have seen my wife knows I, re I have papers. She really is my wife. I know that's hard for y'all to believe. In addition to being my wife, she's my best friend in this entire world. Uh, she's a turkey hunter. We spend a lot of time together, and, I, and I'm so, so blessed. So, so blessed to have her as a wife. And I say that because every morning when I leave, I tell her I love her. I tell her goodbye. I hope she has a good day. And, you know, every morning... I'm a creature of habit. On my way to work, that's when I pray. And every morning I pray, Lord, look after us today. Look after my folks at work. Look after all my family. You know, name them all by name. And I always throw in there, you know, look after me too. And you see, that day I had no idea. No idea what I was asking him to do. And no idea that he was listening the way he was listening. See, it wasn't even raining at my house that morning. I don't know that I even ran my windshield wipers. But on the eastern side of Gimmer County, it was coming an absolute flood. And those of you who have lived here a while know that a flood on the eastern side of the county means a flood in East LJ. That day was made up of a series of small decisions for me. Decisions that would affect my life forever and other people's lives forever. You know, when I got to work, one of the first decisions I made was not to go to the emergency operations center, which, in a nutshell, it's where all the department heads go and drink coffee while other people do all the work. Um, I'm a firm believer in it. It's a great concept, but when you only have two or three people working, I think you need to be out there working. And so I didn't go. I stayed to help with the evacuations, and as flooding goes, uh, and trying to get through this part pretty quick here, because this isn't what I want to focus on. We have a flood out on... We have to evacuate the townhomes out on Riverside Drive. In a matter of circumstances, it worked out. I was the first officer in line to leave, and I felt like we needed to get an officer out of there because I had the entire department out there tied up, and we needed somebody in town. It's time for businesses to open. We needed somebody who was available. I decided, I, since my car was the first one in line, I'd be the one to do that. As I tried to drive out, the water, when I started into it, you could get through it. 
But the, as they say, the perfect storm, you had a lot of debris backed up from the bridge down at Hardy's, and you had the peak of the flood that came down. And bottom line, uh, the water went from being up to about the bottom of my tires to being up to my hood. Uh, chokes the car out. The particular place where I was at, right out in front of me, about like from here, maybe to the back of the church, maybe not even that far, there was one little hump of dry land. And there's a firefighter from Gilmer County who has made it that far, and he's sitting there in his own personal vehicle by himself. So I crawl out the window, I go up there to him, and we talk a minute. Still have no idea of what's coming. You see, it's just like a lot of us. I was standing in troubled waters, and I had no idea. No idea. He says, let's tie rope that thing, try to pull it up out of the water a little ways. I said, that's a good idea. You know, all I'm worried about is I didn't want to ruin the car. Hadn't been at East LJ long. I'd hate to get fired the first time out ruining a patrol car. So we do. The water keeps rising. So we decide to do it one more time. There's another decision. Pray every day when you get up in the morning that the decisions you make are right, no matter how small they are. Pray God has a hand in them. I made the decision to go back and try to pull the car one more time. We had a rope tied to it. That's how we were doing it. As I got to the rear of the car and tried to give you a picture here of what went on, the car's pointed down, downstream. I walked to the rear of the car. Just as I get to the rear, I hear this firefighter yell. And he didn't have to yell because I'd already saw it. And there was a tree falling. The car's pointed this way. The tree's falling from this side across in that tree was a power line, and I saw it. And I knew it wasn't going to be good. This young lady killed the week before. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, those of you who have heard me do this before, I apologize if this part here changes a little. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I've lost a lot of the memory of it. Uh, went up to Chicago to, the, to some experts, and they told me to expect that. So I thought I was just going crazy, but... Uh, it's, it's part of it. So, you know, I'm going to tell you the way I remember it today, and that's just the best I can do on that. I remember thinking I had to get on the trunk, and I remember jumping for the trunk. And the first jolt of electricity hit me somewhere between the ground and getting on the trunk. Um, you know, messed up. I've lost a lot of hearing, a lot of eyesight from it. And at the time, you know, everything was just a roar. Just a, a fuzz, almost. See, I didn't even remember calling for help. But the 911 tapes, I can hear me on there telling them, i got to have some help. I'm being cooked. I'm being fried. Please get me some help. To set the stage a little better for you, I'm on the trunk of the car at this point. The tree's on the car. The power line's in the tree and the water. And it didn't turn off. So there's just a constant flow of electricity being pushed into the water and, and, and into the car. Uh, I was squatting down on the car, and I was getting shocked, but it, it wasn't as bad as when I would touch it with my hands. And when I touch it with my hands, I, I don't know how to even describe it. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. I've heard people pray where just to hear them pray was a blessing. The front of it was pretty, the middle of it was pretty, and the end of it was pretty. But I'm going to tell you something. When I called on God that day, there was nothing fancy about it. It was very simply, God, I'm going to die right here if you don't help me. It's that simple. Nothing, nothing dressed up. God, I said, God, you got to help me. 
or it's over. And I knew it was over. I'm going to tell you something. The God we serve doesn't require notifying him ahead of time. He's right there when we want to talk to him. We don't have to preface it with anything. We don't have to have nobody go talk to him for us. We can talk to him. And in my opinion, that's the greatest privilege we have as Christians today. We can talk to God. Okay, I ain't got to talk to somebody and get him to do it for me. I can talk to him. And I talked to him on the trunk of a car on Riverside Drive on August the 1st. I'll promise you that. I, I was there just long enough to, I thought the firefighter was probably dead. I figured he'd probably been electrocuted. Because uh, I, I, I think I yelled for him. I don't know if I did or not, to be honest. Uh, if you, I hope nobody here ever experiences it. But I've read about it. Last time I talked to this guy up in Chicago who's the worst, supposed to be the best in the world, literally, at electrical injuries and the results of them. And he understood what I was saying. Uh, I accepted right there that I was going to die that day. It wasn't a maybe. In my mind, I had no doubt that I had lived my last day and the end was very close. And that changes you forever. Uh, I would hope that nobody here ever experiences. I don't know if tell you it's a good change or a bad change. It just changes you. You're a different person from that day forward. And I guess if I live to be 100, I will never unchange that. Because I'd, I'd called on God, and I knew if he was going to help me, he would. But in my earthly mind, there was no help there. There was nothing that could be done to help me. I was finished. As I've told you, my wife my best friend in the world... It was important to me that I let her know what happened. So I called her. How I called her is beyond me. But I got my cell phone out and squatting on the trunk of that car. I called her at work. Now, fortunately, she didn't answer. You don't see God working? Right there's another case. What if she'd answered? Can you imagine? She'd probably end up killed herself in a car wreck trying to get down here. But she didn't. I just left her a message and I told her that I'd got myself into a bad spot and I wouldn't be getting out and that I loved her. And I hung up and I made the decision that I was going to jump off that car. Now, if I'd have jumped off that car into that water, I'd have been killed instantly. I don't have any doubt about that. There's enough electricity. The stuff that was floating in the water around the car is jumping. You hear just a couple weeks ago, I... Hadn't had one of these nightmares in a while, but I was on the trunk of that car trying to get away from that stuff, and I whew, I can't begin to tell you. Uh, I try to downplay that part a little bit when I do this because, just to be honest, it's just bothersome. I don't, I don't ever want you to be in a position like that, and I pray that you aren't. Um, but I made the decision I was going to jump. And my theory was pretty simple-minded, just like me. The power line's there. I'm going to go that way. Now, I'd had to jump about like me to Chad to get out of the water, but that's what I was going to try. The tree's across the car now, so I can't see. It's in August, plenty of leaves. I can't see anything in front of the car. And see, here's where God had started working. He's working the entire time. But here's where physically he started saying, I, I got this. See, just as that tree fell, there was a swift water rescue team from Fanning County came around to bend in the river. What do you think they were in? Rubber raft. What do you think you got to be in if you're going to be in electricity? Rubber raft. Not a metal John boat that they walked by. 
and left on the shelf that morning when they picked up the rubber raft. You see, God was working in Fanning County that morning putting what they needed on the truck. They came out there and they got to where that firefighter was who was okay, thankfully. Uh, and they thought I was dead. I talked with them. And they said, you know, we, we, we feared you were dead. And you're either, you know, they didn't know I was on the trunk or if I'd fell in the water or what. So they take this rubber raft and they go out to the edge of this dry land and that raft needs to go again about like probably from me to Chad, maybe a little farther. And they push it in a flood upstream. They don't have a stick to push it with. Now they just push it. That raft just heads right up that river. <laughs> you want to talk about God? If you doubt for one second that's the case, some of churches, I'll run it here and get you an inner tube and run down to the river and see how far you can push it upstream. You ain't even got to wait for a flood. You can do it today while the water's low. Uh, when I jump off that car, I don't see that. I want you to understand, when I jump, I didn't jump because I saw the boat. I jumped. And as I was leaving the car, around the end of this tree came a boat. You know the old story, guy's on the roof and helicopter comes by in a boat and he keeps telling him to wait. God will get him off the roof. There was a boat. A boat came. As I jumped, I just leaned to the right and fell into this raft and they fished me out. They dragged me out onto dry land. First thing I do is call Angie. She answers. <laughs> Think about that. As I hope y'all think back on this in days to come and look at all the things that went on, all the, all the stuff that was happening as God was working. Think about that. She answered that time. She wanted to know if everything was all right. She knew something was wrong if I called two times in a row. And I said, well, you know, everything's good. I'm good. Just uh, had a little issue. Left you a message. Don't listen to that. Uh, well, you know what? Of course. You know, first thing she does is hang up and listen to the message. Um, that leads to emergency room and doctor's visits, and none of that's important. Uh, what I want to talk about is the things after that that God started to show me and the things that he started to, to, make, to make me aware of and let me see. And the things that I'm going to tell you aren't in any particular order. And a lot of this is sort of ever-evolving. You know, I do this, and people come talk to me afterwards, and they tell me about praying about this and and the things that they've saw. And, and so kind of each time is a little bit different. The first thing I want to tell you is be thankful. And if I could get on top of the church and yell it, I would. And I don't mean be thankful when you get a Christmas gift or when you get to go on vacation. I mean be thankful. Be thankful that you look out there and you see that sun up. Be thankful that you can hold your spouse's hand or you hear your child laugh. Be thankful for the colors in the fall and the cool weather in the winter. I can't stress enough. We Oh, I wish I could make you understand how much you need to be thankful. My goodness. Let me tell you something. Chad's right. I turkey. I hunt. I love it. I always have. And I turkey hunt a ridiculous amount. And the reason Chad and I ain't went is because he don't want to show me his turkeys and I don't want to show him mine. One of us may give in eventually and take the other one, but I'm going to tell you something. The first spring after this happened, 
I was sitting on top of a mountain. The sun came up. That turkey gobbled. And I sat down and cried like a baby. I don't mean got teary-eyed. I mean I sat down by a tree and I squalled. Because I said, Lord, you left me here. My goodness. I the sun come up and everything's blooming out. And these even times now, I just get choked plumb up out here over nothing. There's a tree down here in front of the shell station that's as yellow as anything I've ever seen. I drove by it the other day and caught myself wiping tears going down the road. So I said, Lord, you let me see that. You know, he didn't have to. How many people did he not? Don't you think about this. If we're not thankful for it, you ever give somebody a gift and they open it and you can tell they ain't crazy about it? And what's the first thing that crosses your mind? You say, I won't get them nothing next time. <laughs> They'll like it better next year if I don't get them anything. You see, that's the way I want you to look at being thankful. Because if we ain't thankful, maybe we ain't going to get as big a blessing. Please think about that. If you have something that's undone, fix it. What I mean by that is I had the chance that morning to call Angie. Me and her, we just don't argue and fuss. I mean, just very rare. It wasn't like I was calling to apologize for an argument. But I had the chance to call her one more time and tell her. Very few tragedies give us the opportunity to make things right prior to them ending. Nobody wins a fight. That old saying's true. It's an old saying because it's true. It's like a lot of old sayings. There's something there. Nobody wins a fight. Nobody wins an argument. If you have somebody in your family, if you have somebody in this church, if you have somebody anywhere, be the bigger person. Make that first step to making it right. I challenge you to go over in the cemetery and look at the tombstones and see if you see anybody there that says he thought he was right and stayed that way the whole time. You know? Don't matter if you're right. Let me tell you something. That's the biggest thing we've got to get in our head. Don't matter if you're right or if you're wrong. Try to have peace with others. Try to work things out. This is probably the most important part of my testimony. What I'm going to ask you right now is if you jump, where will you land? Now granted, I doubt any of you going to be on the trunk of a car getting shot by a power line in the flood in the middle of the Carter K River. But all of us, are going to face the point in our life where we're going to have to jump. Maybe it's going to be in a hospital bed. Maybe it's going to be in a car wreck. If you drove here today, I don't want to get this point home with you. If you drove here today, you were ever bit as close as I was down there on that river. On average, it takes between three and five seconds for the human mind to look from the highway where you're driving to something in your car, a cell phone, a radio, an air conditioner control, a kids in the back seat. takes three to five seconds to look at that, look back at the road, and your mind focused enough to make an action with your car. Three to five seconds. It takes 1.5 seconds for a vehicle in the opposite lane to travel into your lane at 40 miles an hour. Do the math. I mean, I'm imagining everybody here probably drove here today. How many cars you pass on the road? How many of them folks you think had cell phones in the car with them? Think about it. You're here today because God gave us the grace to allow you to be here. Uh, 
And that's why I say, if you're here today and you couldn't have jumped off that trunk with me, or you can't know on the way home if somebody does look down too long where you're going, don't leave this building today without making that right. That's the most important thing that I can tell you. We are not guaranteed another day. It's so easy, human nature, to put things off. Let me tell you something. Making sure you know what your eternal plans are, you cannot put that off. Nobody gets to pick when we leave. Do not take lightly the power we have to help others nor the obligation that we have to do it. I told you earlier, the best thing we can do is pray. The greatest gift we have, the greatest tool we have is to pray. Very simply. And I'm going to ask you this. If, if, if somebody asks you to pray for them, do it. Now, I forget. I forget because I'm getting older. You know, I've, I forget because, you know, I did suffer some injuries out there sitting on the power line. And I forget. So if somebody asks me to pray for them, quick as they get out of sight and I get where I'm by myself, I do it right then. And I may need to do it again later, you know, and I try to. But if somebody asks you to pray for them, they're asking you to speak to God on their behalf, and that is a huge obligation. And please understand what a gift we have there. You know, we can, know that we can do worldly things for them, too. You know, we can mow the grass, pick up their medicine, check see if they need anything. See, it ain't just about prayer. If we've got the help and the ability to help somebody, then we ought to try to do it if we can at all. You know, there's so many Bible verses, and as I've done this, I've changed them around. But today I wanted to pick two in particular to share with you. Uh, Psalm, you know, I don't want you to turn there. It's very short, but uh, chapter 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in time of trouble. Now, I want you all to think about this. You can take two words out of that verse, and essentially it still get its point across. Let's take out very present. It says God's our refuge and strength to help in time of trouble. He's God, that's sufficient. He don't have to dress it up with adjectives, but he did. He inspired that the writer not just to say that he's going to help you, but to say that he's not, and not just present, but a very present help. Now I'm going to define present for you the way I had a teacher in school define it for me one time when I had a fellow say here for me. Because I wanted to go to the library because the new outdoor life was in. And I told him, I said, he won't ever pay any attention. When, when it comes to our turn, you just say here. So when I was out in the hall discussing this with him, he said, son, let me tell you something. He said, if you ain't here, you ain't present. Now, God says he is a very present help. Very present. That don't mean he's just here. It means he's just here all over us. When you need him, he ain't just there to help. He is there with his arms open, waiting to help. Psalm 50, or chapter 50, verse 14 and 15 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. I never read 14. I always read 15, which says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Me. <laughs> I called on him, he delivered me. And I'm doing my best to glorify him. But 14 is important. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. I think what that means, the way I take that, we need to be praying. Don't wait till you're in a jam. 
Don't wait till you're on the trunk of the car. Be praying ahead of time. Pray every day. Pray every chance you get for God to look after you. Now here's the part where I doubt seriously I make it through. And I just labeled it simply presence. I would never, I've told you, I would never want any of you to be in the position I was in. I'd hope you're never in a position where you realize that you ain't going to get out of it. But I would pray that one time in your life on this earth, you get to feel the presence of God the way I felt it. It was a physical, reach out and touch it presence. And I pray that God lets me remember that feeling until the day that I leave this world. I can't, there's not words to describe it, but it is as real as all of y'all sitting here. I'm going to try one more time to tell the story of this little old lady without getting choked up, and I'll just go and get choked up ahead of time and get it out of the way. This little old lady, she comes up to me down here in the store. I look at her and she looks familiar. I don't know where I know her from. For the record, after we talked that day, I've never seen her again. But when I talked to her that day, it was just like looking at one of y'all that I've known my whole life. Only recently, if it has it dawned to me, I've never seen her again. And I don't know that I ever saw her before. But she told me, she said, son, I want you to know she said, I prayed about you out there on that car. She said, and God showed me something. She said, I seen you on the trunk of that car and I seen that tree and the fire and all the bad. And she said, I want you to know something. She said, they was angels sitting all over that tree. She said, that's on every limb. And she said, they was going to look after you. I'm going to tell you something. It probably, I don't see there's no way it can touch you like it does me. But if you'd been on the trunk of that car, gosh, what a vision. Think about that. You know, I thought I was nobody in the world but me left. And there was angels sitting everywhere just to wait for anything that I needed. I believe that all of us in our darkest times, and we're all going to have them, I believe if we pray, I believe we may have our own angels sitting around there waiting. Never feel alone. If you're a Christian, you're never alone. Amen? Man, on the trunk of that car in the darkest time of my life, when I was ready to leave this world, I had angels to sit there before. Goodness gracious. Maybe that little old lady was an angel. I don't know. Never seen her since. Don't remember ever seeing her before. But I knew her. I'm not going to say she was or wasn't, but I'm just going to say that that's just the way it is. Um, I'm nearly done here, and there's a couple of things I want to share with you, though. One is, is the guilt of being here. Like I told you, the week before a young girl died, I believe she was 13 years old, 
I struggle to this day with why God took her and didn't me. She died in almost the same circumstance. It was a power line that had failed and hadn't cut off. What right have I got to be here and her leave? You know, my life's been good. If I'd left that day, I'd have left saying, thank you, Lord. It was good. I got a great family. You know, goodness, I've never been cold. I've never been hungry. I got a better place to go. If I'd left that day, I sure couldn't have complained. But see, I didn't, and she did. That's one of them things that I guess we just ain't going to understand. But I'd ask you to think about this. We're all left. Everybody in this room, God decided to leave. You're one heartbeat away from being gone from here, but he decided to leave us. So it's not just me. You see, it's all of us. If we've got something that we need to do, let's do it. Because he left us. You see? For a long time, I thought it was only me. And then I got to realizing, heck, he left everybody. You know? He thought enough of everybody to keep them here, to give us another day on this earth. And let's try our best to make it, make it a good one. I want to tell you this, that God's will always wins. And I want to close with this. Uh, just prior to this, I became, I worked at East LJ for about 11 years. I uh, went over to LJ and was chief over there for 13. And I got a job offer uh, late in 2012. That on paper, there was absolutely no reason not to take it. Job with the state, uh, more money, much safer. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Uh, absolutely no reason not to take it. Except for the simple fact that when I prayed about it, I got no peace. I tried to talk God into it. That, you know, this is going to be better for me. <laughs> you know, Angie won't have to worry about me as much. I need to go ahead and take that job. It came down to the deadline of me having to make my decision. So I did what I always do when I need to really think a lot. I went deer hunting. <laughs> went and sat down on top of the mountain and I prayed. And boy, I got the answer as clear as a bell. You'd run a signpost up the tree in front of me. It couldn't be any clearer. I turned that job down immediately. Greg Arp, who was the chief at East LJ, took the job, which opened the job at East LJ. The minute it became open, I knew I was coming back. I prayed about it, and it was just as clear as the first answer. You know, I could have I could have took that job. I could have stayed at LJ. I've had people say, boy, I'll bet you wish you'd stayed at LJ. But you see, I don't. And I want to tell you this, and I'm going to close with this. If we do God's will, if we operate as the best we can doing what God will have us to do, we're going to win the race. You see, if I'd have left that day, it'd have been okay. I really believe that. I believe if I'd have died that day, as long as I did what God had wanted me to do and I followed his path, and again, that's the only way I've gotten to the point I am in my career is because God saw fit to bless that. I mean, really, I'm not that smart. I sure didn't get here on my looks. I mean, I'm here because God let me be here. If I'd have left that day, it would have been okay. Seek God's will even when it doesn't make sense. Seek God's will even when it's contrary to what we really want to do. When it's contrary to all the earthly 
reasoning that you can put behind it. Ask God for what's right and trust that He's going to give you the answer. And when He does, go with that. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for allowing me to be here today. Like I say, this is, this is the culmination of four years of wanting to do this, and I just so pray that somebody got a blessing from it. And if nobody did, I did. So thank you very much. Thank you, Brother Larry. Thank you. First things first, just so y'all know, we I didn't know he had been praying about that for four years or we'd have had him before now. <laughs> I just want to follow up on what Larry said, uh, has shared with you, and, and transition uh, into a celebration of the Lord's table. And I guess we do need to dismiss the children. Children, if you want to go to Children's Church, head on. Go ahead and be dismissed now. I just want to ask you here this morning... If you're here today, is Jesus your refuge? Is he your refuge? Is he your very present help? Have you, as the Bible tells us, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? We need a Savior. We are without hope and without God in this world if we don't know Jesus, if we don't trust in him. We are alone. We don't have a very present help because of our sin and His holiness. Are you here today and don't know whether Jesus is your refuge or not? Here's the deal. If you don't know, He's not. But today, He can be your refuge. You can know the presence that that Larry's talking about. You can know the certainty of His nearness. You can know that all is well with you and, and, and the Lord Jesus, with God, the judge of all things, no matter what may be around the next bend in your life. And of everything that's been said as Larry began his talk today, this is the most important question for you if you don't know Jesus here today. And as a church, we would affirm together, this is the most important moment in this service for you. That's why we exist, is so you can answer that question and in the affirmative, so you can come to personally trust Jesus and know Him as your refuge and know peace at every moment, even if the next one is a tragedy. Do you know Him? He died, the Bible says. Even while we were still sinners, God demonstrated His own love toward us in that, he, that Christ died for us. He gave His own Son to pay for all of your sins. On the third day, He rose again to give you not just victory over the the penalty of your sin, but to give you power to overcome sin day to day and walk as His child. And the Bible says if you trust Jesus, He'll come and indwell you by His Spirit. Jesus dwelt in Larry on on the trunk of that car. That's how close He comes to those who find Him as their refuge and trust Jesus as their only hope. Don't leave this place today without dealing with that. Today was, uh, oddly enough, 
was one year ago today that uh, me and Betsy and Grant and J.D. Taylor. Is J.D. here today? No. We're in a wreck in Athens. We'd been to a Georgia football game and got sideswiped by a concrete truck. Uh, our injuries were nothing like Larry's, but what could have been uh, was pretty ugly. And we just uh, have been thinking about that this weekend and praising God. And what I thought about last year at, in the days that followed that, uh, the scripture that just kept coming to mind, Larry, and this is what, what you've been saying already this morning, was Philippians 1 verse 21. Paul said, for me to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, if a tra tragedy's around the corner for me, if I don't make it through that next moment and situation, it's not just okay. Paul said it's gain. Because I'm suddenly not here with you. I'm there with him. And you all lose every time. The joy of being in his presence, to see our Savior face to face. And in the days after our, our accident, I, I began to think, do I live this way? Do I really think that death is gain? But more importantly to everybody around me, do I live, is my living Christ to the world? You've just met a man whose life is, amen? And, and, and by the way, wherever you are, whatever you do for a living, however you function, you may not be involved with life-saving and public safety and all that, but, but right where you are, Larry's figured out how to exalt Christ where he lives. You need to figure that out where you live, in your sphere of influence, in your work. There's a way you can do what Larry has just done in our midst today. Amen? For me, for to me, Paul says, to live as Christ and to die is gain. You know, death for a, an unbeliever is not gain. It's everlasting loss. If you don't know Jesus as your refuge, you die and you lose forever. And it's not just you lose like in losing a football game. It's eternal torment from a holy and just God against your sin. It's, the, it's what we all deserve. And yet by the grace of God in Christ, if we will run to Him and rest in Him, we can not only be spared what we deserve, we can be given what we don't, which is His presence. All of the blessings of heaven. Do we, church, do we really feel that way about life and Christ and death and gain? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen to what we're going to gain. Revelation 5. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding, goals, uh, holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. That's what God thinks of our prayers. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scrolls and to open its seal. 
because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. That, friends, is where we are going. And in the meantime, that's the gain we have to, to, to receive yet in eternity. But in the meantime, to live as Christ, we are to sing that song, Worthy is the Lamb, to everyone we meet. We're to show that, that reality, His worth, and how we live, how we do business, how we talk, how we think, how we even enjoy His presence in this moment. Paul, back in that Philippians passage, said, I desire to depart and be with Christ. Do you want to be with Him? Which is better by far. He really believed that. To die is gain. But then he said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. That's what it means in Larry's life. God left him here for a purpose. His purpose is being fulfilled and it's fruitful labor for the glory of Christ. The same is true for all of us. Yet what shall I choose? Paul says, I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far but at least Paul had been convinced by the Spirit of God in that for that time period, it was more necessary for you, he says, that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will, be, will abound on account of me. You know what? If you're left here today, you've got a job today. If you're left here today, you're left here to be... Christ to the world around you, to your world. If you're left here today, today for you it is true to live is Christ. And if it's not true and you're his own, it must be true. Or we're disobedient, amen? As we come to this Lord's table together, I'll ask the, uh, the deacons and the, and the worship team to make their way to the front. Let me share with you from, from the Word of God in 1 Corinthians 11. Where Paul says that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. They were celebrating the Passover and, and in that moment they had no idea I don't believe really what Jesus was saying. This is the night before he'd go to the cross. And Jesus says, this is my body. This bread that we're breaking, it symbolizes my body that tomorrow will be broken for you as I hang on the cross. 
this is my body that opens the doorway as it's broken and, and, and as my body is torn and apart. It, it's, it's like the veil to the temple being, being rent, Hebrews tells us, being torn apart so that we can access the presence of God. Suddenly it can be true that for you, God is your very present refuge because Jesus' body was broken. He went on to say, He also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And again, they couldn't understand how that glass of wine represented the blood that would be shed all over Golgotha the next day as Christ was crucified, went through the incredible torture of a Roman crucifixion and blood dripped to the the earth. Yet Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is the new covenant in my blood. This is salvation, the new covenant. This is grace. This is where suddenly you don't get what you deserve, but if you trust me, Jesus, the one who's dying for you on the cross and will be raised on the third day, this is the new covenant written in my blood. A covenant of grace and mercy and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, Peter put it this way, Jesus bore in his own body on that tree all of your sins and there as he carried all the weight of your sin and all of your sins, God poured out his wrath and justice on Jesus in your place instead of you. He was your substitute. And though that night, the Last Supper, they couldn't fathom what Jesus was saying, they soon came to understand. After he came back to life, was raised from the dead on the third day, they soon began to understand. They understood what he meant when he said earlier in in, in the book of John, my body is true food. My flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. He didn't mean Literally, he wasn't cannibalistic in that statement. He was saying, if you want eternal life, if you want to be made right with God, if you want to be able to call God your refuge and very present help, not just for this life, but for all of eternity, if you want to go from being an enemy to a child of the God of the universe, then it's very simple. You must feed your heart on me and what I've done in the cross and in the resurrection. And so today, as a church, we come... Because that passage rounds out by saying, for as often as you eat, this is what Paul said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what's fixing to happen, if you're visiting with us today, if you don't know Jesus here, if you're not part of the the body of Christ, what's fixing to happen is the church is fixing to, 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 to remind ourselves of everything I just said about Jesus. We're going to do that by taking a cracker and, 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 a, and a little swig of grape juice. It's a picture of what our hearts have already done in trusting Jesus as our life-saving sustenance, as our, as our eternity-giving meal. And what we do with the physical eating and drinking, it's only a symbol of what's happened in here, but it can be a symbol for you this morning. You can see in what we're doing and hear the message, even as often as we do this, that Jesus saves. And even while we as the church partake at this table, 
You, right where you sit this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you can feast in your heart by faith on Jesus Christ. On His broken body and shed blood in your place to pay for your sin. And in His resurrection, that gives you eternal and everlasting victory and hope and peace. And as Larry talked about, presence, His nearness. So let's pray together and prepare our hearts.